0: Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay.
1: What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts today, Jimmy Wong.
2: And I'm Craig Blanchett, Mr. Infect. Mr. What? You always got to say Mr. Infect, huh? I got to, of course. I mean, course. it's okay.
1: I'm Mr. Red, Jimmy the Red, you're Craig the Infector. It's true, it's true. All these things. Hail Phyrexia. Uh, today, we are going to talk about something that is very near and dear it's to both Craig and my hearts. It is how to have fun in Commander. Uh, Important. We're, we're constantly talking about optimization, making perfect plays, the correct threat assessment, and look plank manner without making any mistakes is I guess in some ways ideal right you want to do your best and play your best but at the same time trying to win all the time isn't exactly why we sit down at the table in the first place and that's not part it's part of the equation but it's not the whole equation. So today Craig and myself we're gonna break down the joy of the format and the ways that you can also help encourage and foster a fun play environment both for yourself and for your friends around you But before we get into it, Make sure you check out our sponsor at CardKing.com slash Command Zone. If you're going to pick up cards, especially ones that, you know, engender a great playing experience with your teammates and your friends at the table, head on over there, CardKing.com slash Command Zone. That's where you're going to buy all of your singles, sealed products, magic, the gathering things, and more, including some Ultra Pro product while you're there. You might want to pick up a play map. They have beautiful new art from Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. They also have two Innistrad sets coming out. Obviously, a lot of sets, but more importantly, great art to go on Ultra Pro products. You can support your local game store, or you can buy it online at a place like cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. And finally, last way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash commandzone. We shout out one lucky patron every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to Sebastian Bond. Bond. Mr. Bond, you rock. Okay, let's dive right into it, shall we, Craig? Yeah. Let's talk about the ways to have fun in Commander. So the first question we do have to ask is... Why fun, Craig? And it seems like an innocuous question, but it's at the heart of why we are here today. So when you play the game of Commander Craig, you're there to have fun, right? Always. You're always, <laughs> always.
2: It's what it's what it's all about, right? I mean, that's the reason why I got into the game. That's why mm-hmm. I still play
1: Yeah, and that's actually one of the ways that Craig and I first started playing. It was very fun. We would be up until 3, 4 a.m. sometimes just sitting there, pouring over pop binders, looking at cartons going, wow, imagine if, oh wait, this does what? And so that sort of very early experience, I think, is something that in a lot of ways, you're, you're kind of searching for it whenever you do play the game, and walking away from a Commander game with a bad taste in your mouth is something... You've experienced it, right? Yeah, it stinks. It stinks. It's stinky. Uh, uh-oh, stinky. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> and today we're going to focus on, you know, what makes a Commander fun just not for one person, but optimally... For everyone, ideally, right? Um, We're going to break down what makes a game fun, how it's different, and also how you can explore those ways yourself. So before we get super into it, some questions we can ask ourselves right now for you listening and watching at home, and we'll answer it right here on the show as well. Can you remember a time when you didn't have fun playing Commander? and why didn't, wasn't it fun? What, what exactly happened? What caused it, right? Was there a single incident or was it the culmination of a lot of things? And how about the time that you did have fun and asking yourself the same question? Why was it fun? Was it the culmination of a lot of things? Was well, it a singular event or was it something that your friend did? Was it something in your deck? Point to those things. And of course, I, something that I like to do is whenever I finish a game or a game night, I kind of like to look back on the game that was just played. And sometimes it's hard in the heat of the moment, but I like to say, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how much fun did i have in that game how much fun did i think the entire group had or maybe that one player that got knocked out early but still did something awesome so before we sort of dive super deep into it just have these questions in your head think about those experiences and reflect a little bit on them because they're going to be very pertinent uh, to everything we talk about here soon okay let's get into it craig what it. is fun well first up fun is relative so Craig, do you want to talk about what that means when I say fun is a relative?
2: Yeah, fun is relative to everybody. Everybody has their own kind of take on it, and what may be fun for you may not be fun for somebody else. Um, you know, I think a lot of this has to do with, you know, finding the right playgroup to have enough fun. You mm-hmm. know, some people like to play stacks. That is what they they play because they want to kind of control the situation. Right. And, you know, there are playgroups that enjoy that. Uh, some people just want to play big, you know, slow games of very, you know, uh, battle style.
1: Big st- creatures, b- battle cruiser.
2: Right, battlecruiser type commander and you know and there are certain play groups that adhere to that a little bit a little Mm -hmm. bit better so fun is kind of relative and fun can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people
1: it's very true uh and so craig in great example in your case is you love infect I do. We all know this. I do. It's very fun for you, but based on the comments we receive online, based on what we've heard in person, it is not very fun for other people. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily mean that when I play against Craig and I know that he's going to play Infect, and even if I personally deep down go, I don't find that very fun, it doesn't actually necessarily mean that I'm not going to have fun playing that game right so your fun doesn't need to come at the expense of someone else's right it doesn't need to necessarily ruin others fun and part of that is sort of on me in terms of how i approach it how i treat it how i think about your version of fun and part of it's also on you right like if the way that you play and the way that you handle the deck and the way that you handle the politics or whatever else goes into trying to win with infect absolutely Um, So let's look at ourselves and the play group and ask ourselves, so outside of Just Infect, Craig, what is fun for you?
2: So for me, I really like kind of big, splashy plays. I really like a lot of synergy, a lot of, uh, you know, fun, big, splashy plays, which is you know, which leads to a lot of table banter, which mm-hmm. I really enjoy. You know, I love that kind of like something big happens, like a Silvala stampede, and every oh, you
1: what know, are you there's vote? look well, at his well, hand. Want... Oh, the conversation that gets ignited. Exactly, and now you're
2: kind of involving everybody in the table, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the times, because you know, I like big big plays, and I like you know, uh, table banter. I end up kind of playing the heel
1: a oh. little bit. Okay, so for those of you that at home that don't know what playing the heel means, what is a heel, Craig? So a
2: heel is kind of like the. Uh, the the enemy or the boss the level bad yeah guy. the bad guy yeah, the
1: yeah. One that you go ah there that's the evil person in the in the pod
2: exactly exactly and so you know uh, it kind of set up sets up a little bit of an arch-enemy dynamic, which mm-hmm. I've come to enjoy a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I think we've seen that play out plenty of times in game nights when you cut out to an explosive start. It reminds me of sort of when Cassius played his turn two or turn, turn three Ugin, right? Ugin. That was crazy. A similar thing where they immediately go like, you know what? I'm this player. This is the role I'm going to be in this game. And yeah, come at me. I don't care because yep. that's, Deal with it. that's what I'm doing. So that's actually really interesting. I think the idea of playing a heel actually plays a lot into how we can have fun and not at the expense of others. Right. Because Craig just going, you know what? I play Infect. I don't think that makes me well-loved necessarily, but that does place me into this new position that actually can have a little bit of love and fun around it, which is the heel, the bad guy, the the quote-unquote villain of the table, right? And we use these terms very uh, loosely because we're not actually calling Craig evil, right? It, one thing that Josh and I always used to talk about is that stuff that happens at the table stays at the table, and, and that's this sort of safe zone for a lot of these things to happen. So I like that a lot. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, For me... I'm very similar in a lot of ways, uh, probably because I learned how to play Commander from you, Craig, mostly.
2: (laughs) Those early days were fun.
1: They were very fun. They're still fun. (laughs) I love big, splashy effects as well. Um, Obviously, I'm a red player, so I like doing chaotic things. I like sort of throwing a wrench into the gears of the machine and just seeing what happens for the sake of seeing what happens. And so in a lot of ways, I also play a bit of a heel because I'm willing to make a sacrifice for something that may not be an optimal play necessarily, but might just be more fun. And I think adds a dynamic of more interesting, you know, layers of whatever's happening. Um, to that same degree, I really love when silly jokes and sort of the lighthearted nature of the game comes to play. Uh, Kelpie Guy is I think my most recent version of that. Kelpie Guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's-
1: guide. Like
2: he leads you through things.
0: Guide.
1: Kelpie Guy uh, I just love, you know, looking at cards now and just naming them different things. You know, we call Ugin Eugene and those sorts of things Menace. to me. Yeah, Menace. Those <laughs> sorts of things that are like, they're kind of like inside jokes, but it's really a way for me to add my own amount of levity and comedy to a situation. So even if I'm getting beaten down, then I can still find like, well, at least it's to a Kelpie guy, not a Kelpie, you know, Whatever else it is, dictator or something, um, and I love the friends part of it. I love sitting down with friends and that camaraderie. Now we also did this for two people that aren't at the table today. We did this for Josh Lee, Kwai and Ashlyn. So, what do you think is fun for Josh based on all the I times you think play with him?
2: Josh is, you know, st- starting off. Josh is always all about value.
1: Yes, um, Captain Value. Exactly. If you're Mister. In fact, he's Mister Value. Right.
2: So he's kind of into, like, cool combos. He does this interesting thing where he makes a lot of really innocuous and uh, not very looked at cards very interesting and Mm -hmm. very looked at. Um, He'll play cards in a way that you'll go, hmm, okay, I get it now. And so that's a very Josh Lee Quiet thing. And then obviously
1: politics oh yeah politics is
2: politics
1: <laughs> indeed josh is playing that 3d chess while everyone is playing checkers sometimes it's definitely what it feels like yeah i really like that right josh you know i think a lot of people on the surface they watch game nights and they go oh josh is just a try hard he's just trying to do the most value-based thing but, you know, one of his first decks he ever built was the Tim deck, where he took regular creatures that just tapped and did one damage and turned it into a whole host of other cool synergies and combos. I think that really calls out what Josh likes doing in the game, which is feeling smart, feeling inventive and fun. And and then at the table with the politics, it's the same thing. Can you outwit your opponents and outmaneuver them? Um, so that's definitely a part of his playstyle. Okay, another person that we examined on this outline is Ashlyn. What do you think Ashlyn declares is fun for her when she plays the game?
2: Ashlyn is all about huge creatures attacking for unbelievable amounts of damage. (laughs) Like, her value engine is actually... Always pretty solid, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well built
1: decks, able to churn out these huge beasts. Yeah, yep. yep. She she does.
2: Uh, she likes Phyrexian Arena, apparently, as we all may have seen at this point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't? It's, it's a, a very card. good
2: card. Yeah, and she kind of brought that back to the forefront about how good that card is.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think another thing that Ashlyn really enjoys that's outside of the realm of gameplay is cosplay. Uh, And it has the word play in it, I think, which is really important because at the end of it, people cosplay because it's fun. It's fun to imagine yourself in the same way. When I play a commander, I play a creature, I do kind of put myself in the seat of the planeswalker and as the wizard that's conjuring up these things and playing these powerful spells. Ashlyn gets to take that to a slightly different level because she dresses up and makes costumes from scratch of these awesome characters in the game. And she gets to share in a huge community of other people that are really involved in that too. And that to me is awesome because when you go to a convention, it's not just sitting about a table and playing a game now. It's also about meeting a friend that you've been talking to online only for the last half year, getting to see their awesome hard work and their cosplay or their whatever they're doing, and sharing a whole different level of passion that you have for the game. Uh, which I think is great, because I loved playing against people like Ashlyn and all their friend groups when they're all dressed up, because it really puts you in a whole different mentality. You're there to ma- now make more Vorthosies plays, and be more about flavor, and do things for a lot more of the fun of it, which is definitely more in my line. Now, that may not necessarily be what you deem fun, but that's okay, because we're barely scratching the surface here. There are players like DJ that love customizing their decks with altars. Players that love just having cool playmats and, and signed playmats and ones that are drawn on by artists. People that just like playing group hug and making everyone work together. Um, just remember that at the end of the day, fun is relative and it's going to be very varied. And honestly, we cannot encompass all of what makes something fun. But it's always a great question to ask yourself because when you're sitting down to play a game, knowing that and being able to have that sort of spot in your brain or wherever it is your mentality that goes this is what makes this game fun for me means that no matter how dire the situation even if you're at nine infect and craig is staring down at you you can still find a way to have fun because you know what will be fun in that situation for you okay proliferate (laughs) Uh, different answers for everyone different strokes okay Uh, another thing that fun is is fun is expressive and we talk about this all the time, and we, we really, you know, a lot of these topics are going to overlap a little bit here because Commander's one of the strongest suits of Commander is the fact that you can deeply express yourself through the game. Whether it's with the color choices, the card choices, the, even the white borders you decide to play, or the lands that you decide to play, or the in-game decisions you're making... Having fun, you know, sometimes requires you to do things in-game that make you giddy or to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat in sort of a counterintuitive way. Me milling Josh out when he played that Uro deck that one time was one of the most fun moments for me as a player because that really combined a lot of the things that I love. Coming out of nowhere, doing the sort of chaotic, sneaky effect and... That expression is a huge part of what fun is as well. So, not only is fun something that you enjoy to do, but it's also how you express yourself when you do it.
2: Remember that time that you cast five fireballs on us?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's definitely peak Jimmy Wong. Fun. That was, how I will fireballs? remember that forever. many fireballs? <laughs> okay, so the biggest topic in terms of what is fun is, fun is respectful, And this is, I think, something that, you know, some people might disagree with this. I can have fun and I don't need to respect other people. But I think everyone that we play with and a lot of people share the same mentality is that fun is definitely something that respects other players because everyone needs to have fun simultaneously. And if your fun is at the price of someone else's fun, then that's not a respectful way of having fun. Um, And Commander, right, it's entirely different than 1v1. If I'm playing you one-on-one, Craig, and you go, Jimmy, I'm going to kill you this turn... (laughs) And I, Good. Go, but I haven't that's played. that's the point of the game. Exactly. Like. I'm like, but I haven't done the things that are fun. It's like, well, you're playing one-on-one. The goal here is to end the other player's life and win the game. When you put multiplayer into it and you have more people, it's no longer a singular goal of kill one opponent to win. Now you gotta deal with three other players. You gotta navigate that tricky battleground. And so to that end, I think having fun means that you have to consider the playgroup as a whole when you're playing. Because we're you know, really importantly. Craig and I aren't here to tell you what is fun and isn't fun. That's not our job, right? It's up for you to decide that. We're trying to put some parameters and boundaries around how to have fun so that hopefully if you and your playgroup listens to this, they can enter into that next game night with sort of a new refreshed outlook that allows everyone to get on that same page. Um, So when we talk about fun that shouldn't come at the expense of other players' fun, we talked about this a little bit before, but let's talk about some examples of when fun Comes at the expense of someone else's fun. All right, first up, Craig, turns that take too long.
2: Yeah, everybody's been there before. You know, somebody plays a Corval deck and they start <laughs> kind of going into like, you know, they start taking a long time and you can see them, they're having fun, right? You know, they.
1: Well, I don't know. I played a Corval deck the other day, Craig, and halfway through the going, was I just was like. <laughs> I was like, I've missed three or four triggers. Nope. I, every single time I do something, I have to remember my whole board state. I can tell other people are starting to look at their phones. So I actually wasn't having that much fun, but please continue.
2: Yeah, Long so term. complex board states, all of, you know, and Corvold's, you know, a, a prime uh, offender of this, but there are others, mm-hmm. you know, these, these complex board states that, you know, just like you said, you end up missing triggers and then, you know, we all have the, oh, can I go back and just do this, you know, <laughs> and so, you know. Especially, you know, when turns start to take, you know, 10 minutes, you know, plus you're dealing with everybody's time. And so, you know, you're, if you're dealing with three other players, that's, you know, however long you've spent, it's three times as much combined time that yeah. you've kind of, you know, wasted from their life, you know, like they're, they're just sitting there, <laughs> watching you play like, you know, and so, you know, we all kind of play cause we want to let loose and have fun a little bit. And it's, you know, I think it's a release for a lot of people is to go out and play cards, especially after mm-hmm. this last year of the pandemic. And you, you know, to to have your time feel unvalued like that. It it gives the other players a feeling that their time is not as valuable. Um, and so, you know, it, don't get me wrong, like do your fun stuff and like have fun. But if it's at the cost of other players, you look around you see people going, <laughs> you know, start to evaluate that like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe I should end my turn now or something like that. Like I didn't fully optimize this. I've done this quite a few times where, you know, you're like, I could keep going for 10 more minutes, but you know what? I'm going to stop it here and let everybody else go. Sometimes that's uh, a move that you might want to consider for the rest of your play group uh, because, as as we all know, how it feels when somebody else is yeah. taking such a long turn.
1: And on the other side of that, right, if you're the player going, ugh, and watching that player go, there's a dynamic happening here. So let's put ourselves in everyone's different seat here. Let's say that Craig is the Corvald player and I'm the other player. That's the furthest in the turn rotation. So I may need to wait another 20 minutes before it gets to my turn. So there's a lot of things here that are interesting because one, you know that the person, I know that Craig is playing a deck and maybe it's his second or third time playing it. So he's not as used to exactly how it works and maybe there are things he's going to miss. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I need to bring my own sour attitude to the table if that's the case, right? I know Craig really well. Okay, I have a hand of my own. There's lots of things I can do here in that case for me to still have fun and not necessarily get a little toxic about it, if that makes sense. If I'm like openly groaning at you, Craig, and being like, could you hurry up? Gosh! That's not fun for anyone, right? In these cases, the first thing I always do is I look at my hand and I plan out my next turn because that's something that I can do that costs me nothing and costs no other players, right, time to wait because Craig's still taking his turn. I can look at my board state. I can look at my hand. I can spend that time to really analyze the rest of the board state be more involved in the game and understand what's going on. And there are certain times too, let's say Craig is a slightly new player and I've helped teach him the game. I might even look at Craig's board state and go, oh, don't forget Craig, you know, you can do this or remind him of a trigger if he forgets it. Or even sometimes, you know, and this is going to be very different, very different play groups, but Craig and I are very buddy buddy, I can just go over and move a dice for him. It's like, okay, this goes up one, one, uh, one, one counter, because I know that these things will speed it up. And Craig remembers all of them, but it's just going to take him to do one through five things at a time or whatever. So those are a number of ways, right? That In my head, I can go, you know what? I might not be having fun because I'm not playing right now, but that doesn't mean that I can't involve myself or do something that makes me still feel happy. And teaching players the game, reading more about cards and learning about interactions that maybe I didn't understand until I got the chance to while Craig's taking his turn, those are all really valid things that I could be doing. And
2: one more thing that you brought up a little bit earlier, knowing your play, knowing your play line, you know, really knowing your deck well enough to know exactly what your next play is rather than dirtling and spending, oh, should I do this or should mm-hmm. I do this?
1: And that would be something that I would say in in Craig's seat, if he's sitting there and he's noticing, oh, the players are looking at their phones. I think someone just groaned at me. He doesn't need to take it negatively necessarily. There's a lot of things that Craig can do in that moment. It could be, oh, you know what? I I probably should have spent a little more time learning the mechanics of the deck and knowing it so that I feel a little more confident when I'm sitting here playing it. I can feel a little bit cooler because I take my time efficiently and I'm doing things not at a snail's pace, but that one that even I enjoy. Because again, it's a feeling that I think a lot of players have. It sucks when you're sitting there and go there's 20 things I can do, I don't know what to do, and I'm stuck. I'm in like a, almost like, it's like writer's block. Decision lock. Decision lock, right? And so being able to break yourself out of that could be something that helps you make that experience a little more fun for you, and ultimately everyone else at the table. But again, it's something that has to be respect going both ways, right? I respect that Craig's making, playing a deck maybe for the first time, and so there's a lot of different ways that I can work with this situation, as long as it's within everyone's comfort zone, to either help him play it, or suggest something, or make sure that he doesn't miss a trick and look at my own hand do my own things and not necessarily get dragged down by the moment so turns that take too long i think this is a common thread across a lot of different play groups just remember that instead of reverting immediately to a negative reaction maybe there's a positive way you can go about it instead and that's just going to give yourself a better overall experience another thing that we talked about that's a little different than turns that taking too long maybe turns that take too little because someone is playing a full-on stacks lockout (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so stack strategies, these actively block other players out of the game. They force you to not tap your la- untap your lands, or you have to sacrifice things, or you just don't have access to resources. And I'd say this is definitely in that really murky gray area because stacks, I think, is usually something that you find in much more competitive and sort of honed in high power level play groups because they're playing stacks because that's the only way they're going to be able to beat that power eight, level 9 power deck that's coming at them. Have you played against a lot of stacks before, Craig? What have you sort of found has been your experience with it?
2: I have been fortunate that I haven't played too, against too many stacks decks in the past like two years, mm-hmm. uh, but that was a very common uh, theme back in the day. Back, you know, you right. got the smoke stacks, the winter orb. Derevi uh, was a big, yeah. Do Yep, Derevi.
1: Uh, Derevi, the Direvy. one that flashes in, yeah.
2: Oh, right, because then, right, right, right. I've actually never taps. faced one of those, but I've oh, heard they're brutal.
1: Boy. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs>
2: And so, yeah, and Hokori Dust Drinker. So, you know, a lot of those cards, uh, I haven't faced them in a long time. But I've my play group. I'm very fortunate that my play groups that I play in kind of understand that. A stack strategy is not cool unless you can end the game quickly and efficiently.
1: Ah, okay. So going back to that turns that take too long, if you're the stacks player and you've managed to lock everyone else down, but then you go, well, I actually can't do anything past turn, that ends up not being great. But if you're a stacks player and go, great, once I get this lockdown, down, the way I end the game is this then that's a way different situation because now instead of having to wait through, let's say five or six turn rotations of stacks, you end the game in two. And I think that's perfectly acceptable. If you know, your play group is understanding why you're doing it. You know, three of the players around me have decks that are way too powerful. If I don't do this, they're going to explode and there's no way I'm going to catch up. So this is my win condition and the other non-sex players. You can team up, right? It's an arch enemy situation. There's a lot of different ways to have fun there. But I think that the key to this one is making sure your play group is understanding and knowing what they're walking into so that they don't get sort of blindsided out of nowhere. Like I don't want to go to a magic fest, for instance, play against someone for the first time. Let's say there's two people there that have always wanted to play against me. And there's one person that decides to go full stacks. Well, That's what I call not reading the table, right? And not saying the expectation or having that conversation beforehand because a lot of people are there to play the game and not necessarily get locked out. I think if you're playing a strategy like stacks, you're supposed to be bringing that out when you know, one, you can win with it, and two, you're doing so because it's trying to stop other decks that you think are too powerful or whatever it is. But just playing stacks just because... That might be fun for you, but don't forget, you gotta be respectful of others, and if it's actively hurting other people's fun, then maybe it's a kind of fun that you should re-hone, or go, you know what, I have to only play stacks when I know I can end the game so that no one's just suffering and misery the whole time. And
2: a lot of times that can be taken care of with a, you know, a turn zero kind of uh, conversation and say, mm-hmm. hey, I want to play my stacks deck, you know, as soon as I get a lock, if you guys want to scoop, you know, you there are ways that you can kind of work around that. Sure. You know, where, you know, if, if you guys want to scoop, let's say you're at a, an LGS or something like that, then we can get a second game going real quick or
1: something. Right, right. Yeah. So have those conversations. Um, sort of the last example of fun that doesn't come at the that comes at the expense of other players' fun is mass land destruction. Ooh. This is just one of those commonly agreed upon things across the format. You don't blow up everyone's lands. Get rid of their creatures, artifacts, enchantments, whatever else, graveyards, but don't get rid of those lands. Now, obviously, blowing up permanents is essential to the game, but non-land permanents is sort of where we've all settled, I think, collectively um, as players because of the same reasons that we just talked about. Stacks gets rid of your main resources, turns that take too long don't allow you to play the game, and mass land destruction does both of those same things. Now, blowing up a single guy's cray or a Sarah Sanctum, that's a different situation. But getting rid of everyone's lands and especially if you don't have a way to sort of end the game quickly, just means that you're turning a game that maybe was already 30, 40 minutes long into another hour of gameplay. And that might not be everyone's cup of tea. Um, I think the only time I was ever okay with mass land destruction was against one of our good friends, Wes. Yep. He played in Armageddon, but he also had two Eldrazi on the table with Annihilator like two and four on them. So we all could tell what was gonna happen. He would swing out with those things. There's no way we could stop them. He still had ways to stop us probably if we tried to get rid of them. None of us were playing right, the right removal cards necessary. We were all just like, great, awesome. Wes, you did it. You won. You showed a way to, to end the board state within a turn or so. We're all scooping up. We're going to the next game. Yep. Um, we didn't have to wait to try and recover and play one land a turn. We all just knew the game was over, and the minute after the, everyone's lands was destroyed, we were just out of there. So, what's the common thread here, Craig, between stacks, man la- mass land destruction, and turns that take too long?
2: They're all kind of uh, taking into account people's time.
1: Time, very valuable resource. Drawing out situations that might not need to get drawn out. Creating a game state where the majority of players can't do anything or have to wait an extend period of time. I think everyone's time and commitment is a huge part of what makes EDH fun, right? I think yeah. we all agree that if you could get three games of Commander in instead of one, I'm going to go to three choice almost every single time because I want to play more. I want to play more decks. I want to have more experiences, play against different people. And so elongating games is, unless it's something that your play group just loves to have these like three-hour epic, you know, battles against each other, it's not where everyone's head wants to necessarily be at. And I think that's a commonly agreed upon thing. So... Time and commitment, something that I think that we should generally try to respect, both for yourself and for other players at the table. And, you know, it might be a way for you to also look at your gameplay and go, you know what? Our gameplays do take a long time. Maybe we do need to put in more finishers, or maybe we need to stop <laughs> playing against everyone and everyone decides to go Staxi routes, whatever it is. Um, I think the TLDR, though, is save the mean stuff for one-on-one. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick mid-roll break here from our sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to talk about how to actually have fun. Not that we haven't already, but more and more interesting ways. And there's lots of fun stuff to talk about. So don't go anywhere. We'll see you in a second.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find
1: All right, welcome back, everyone. Craig Blanchett and I are talking about how to have fun in Commander because we focus way too much sometimes on the nitty-gritty, the perfect plays, the precision. And you know what, Craig? I, I miss me some Battle Cruiser magic sometimes.
2: I do too, man. So, <laughs> some of those games back in 2012, 2014, they were good. They were, they were, they were good.
1: Fun. And you, I still have games like that to this day. Yep. So let's talk about, you know, now that we've described what fun is and sort of the ways that people don't have fun, let's talk about some of the ways and the myriad of ways to actually have fun. Sounds like a plan. So the first point I want to make here and how to have fun is that this is a group game. Woohoo! So make sure that when you're framing ways to have fun, you're doing so with the lens and a multiplayer lens right mm. again 1v1 very different than multiplayer that like we talked about and in a lot of ways your group is going to be the judge of what is fun and not fun so it's important to have healthy and non-toxic conversations about this so a lot of us play with friends. It's really important when you're having fun to not muddle or confuse real life relationships over what's happening in the game. So don't take a well, Craig, you didn't buy me lunch yesterday, so I'm gonna swing at you.
2: Or the opposite. Oh, you swung at me yesterday, so I'm not gonna call you. We're not going out this Saturday or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these things can have an odd way of kind of creeping into your personal life, mm-hmm. especially depending on how close you are with your playgroup. Yeah. Comfort. Um, you know, and the and the comfort level in, in play group is, you know, kind of paramount to that. You know, uh, we feel very comfortable in our play group because we've been together for a couple years and whatnot. Um, And I was talking to Arthur this morning at lunch or this afternoon at lunch and he was kind of saying that like, you know, one of the paramounts of having fun is being comfortable with your play group Mm -hmm. and having this general kind of comfort level of You know just what is acceptable at the table you know is a you know right yeah
1: that rule zero discussion right exactly so that when something does come up in a game that creates tension or is controversial a huge part of having fun is making sure that you don't necessarily sweep that under the rug and never talk about it Mm. so that's what that rule zero discussion is all about in that comfort level if i sit down with craig i know for a fact there's a good chance infect might come out at the table i'm comfortable with it it doesn't create tension it doesn't make me angry and But if it did, right, let's say we play a game and I'm just so frustrated that I got knocked out to Infect, this might be something where the next time we play, I can say, hey, guys, I, I know that, Craig, you really love playing Infect, but I'm just trying to test out a new deck here. I don't want to get wiped out first. Is there any chance you could maybe play a deck that doesn't have Infect?
2: Yeah, right. Absolutely. Sure, Jim. I have plenty of those.
1: And are you gonna have fun playing those decks too? Of
2: course I will, I built them, I built them to play them.
1: Excellent, well that's so great. I I really hope to have fun too, and you know, maybe after I get my bearings on this deck, maybe I can actually test it out against an in fact deck later. I think that'd be really interesting to see if I have enough low drops and early blockers and all that.
2: You know, you bring up an interesting point about something that somebody did to me early on in my kind of magic playing days that I really took, uh, I really took as kind of like the right way to kind of approach this. Uh And it was, I played against a gentleman who played a lot of wraths and played uh, a lot of land destruction, a lot of Armageddon's, a lot of, you oh know, boy. red land destruction. And they would typically have like a bunch of angels out. So they would end the game quickly. But it kind of crept into my gameplay. And so I started kind of playing a lot of land destruction and things like that. And so I was playing in a different play group and obviously, you know, as we just talked about, they were, you know, sitting around kind of not doing anything, not having that much fun. And so after the game, this person came up to me and, you know, kind of quietly was like, Hey, you know, um, look love playing with you um but that you know that land destruction thing was was a little rough you know like if you wouldn't mind you know like just kind of reevaluate that you know for the next time you play against a bunch of people because you know like we Mm. all we're very close around here and we play every wednesday and you know like i don't want you to get a reputation for that and Uh. so you know that kind of opened my eyes as like oh Right. I kind of have an input on what people perceive of me. Right. And so, you know, I've, there have been several times in the past couple of years that other people have, you know, played stacks or something like that. And then afterwards I've gone to them privately and just kind of been like, hey, you know, I love you, man, but, you know, this was just rough for everybody. And, you know, maybe you heard this person sigh or whatever, you know, whatever, however, whatever your comfort level is with that friend uh, to just kind of, you know, be open with them. Check and in just with them. Check in with them. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and again, you're doing this out of a place of love and friendship. Right. You're not going to them and being like, hey, you can no longer play with us. That's not a solution. No. It's always- more like yeah this is how people felt you know and i know that that's how you like to play but because this isn't your normal play group and you know they're, they're one of the guys was you know they one of the girls one of the people it doesn't matter right they just didn't have that much fun this is their first time playing this you know they just got into the format so that sort of behavior it's not that you're wrong it's just that it's taking away fun from other people so that's yeah. really important the check-in um and i think it's actually really important too when Let's say we're at a table and a player does get knocked out early, yeah. and you can tell they're a little disappointed or whatever it is. Maybe that's a good moment for you to verbally check in with them and maybe sympathize with them, even like, oh man, that's a bummer oh yeah, that sucks, doesn't it? Hey, do you have any trades? or like?
2: I love how you put that in here because I've done that so many times. <laughs> First person, I, you got any trades?
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or you're out of the game, right? Or it's like, there's other things that can happen that can make that player at the very least feel, you know, not like, oh, I just got ganged up on and got kicked out of the table, especially if they're newer and all that stuff too. I think it's really important to be mindful of how everyone's playing the game. And I'm not saying that you need to sit there and babysit other people's feelings or whatever it is, but if you're trying to make a better play group overall, for the long-term health of both your play group and whatever your table or whatever it is, your LGS. These sorts of small moments really do matter, and they do make a really big difference. And so having that confidence to be able to at least talk to someone, and if you're not the person, maybe I go, hey, Craig, you know, you brought your friend over the other time. Do you think you could talk to someone about this thing? We played against him three times, and this happened, and it just wasn't that much fun. That's another way to go about it, too.
2: People emulate what they see, and if there's a playgroup that's playing a lot of Wraths and stuff like that, you better believe that 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 LGS is going to see a lot of Wraths in their meta for a little while until there's a conversation.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And that's okay too, to have a lot of rats because people could be having a ton of fun. It could be great. Right. Right, that's the only thing that saves us every time because you know we're playing a lot of creature-based strategies or whatever it is. So remember, this is a group game and how to have fun in a group game is making sure that you're keeping the group in mind. Hmm. All right, the next topic is trying new things out if you want to have some fun. So this is another thing that I think actually you sort of brought to the table for me originally. I didn't know that Arch Enemy, Plane Chase, Vanguard, Secret Partners, I didn't know any of these formats existed. Those are
2: some of my favorite parts about it. It's like the chaos aspect of introducing some new level of huge plays, right? Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. know, Mm because that's what I love as a play style.
1: Yeah, and I think trying new things out is one of the best ways to reinvigorate your imagination, give you a little extra burst of like, oh, cool. Oh, that's possible? And that's really, that's just so incredibly important when it comes to, especially players like Craig and I who've been playing for decades at this point, trying new things, playing a color combination that maybe I'm not used to or don't have a deck in. Those are the kind of things that might excite me, might excite you as well. Or you might be that person, right? It's okay if you just play the same color over and over again. There's nothing wrong with that. These are just suggestions.
2: that comment of decades at first felt kind of warm and comforting. I was like, yeah, and then just felt like a spear right through my heart. Like, (laughs) oh my God. We've
1: been playing for decades. Decades, Decades. It's true, though. We're 50. Um, There's actually an episode coming up with DJ and Lady called uh, Upgrade Your Interaction, Yep, which I think is cool. And podcast, right? It's another great way to listen in and hear, oh, that's maybe something new I could try. That's a card that I have in my collection that I haven't put into a deck yet, but maybe it deserves a spot. Let's try it out. There's a thrill to putting something in, hoping you draw it. And when you do, being like, oh, is this going to be the time that Arachnogenesis, it, it does exactly what I want it to do? And those are moments that you can have fun there, too.
2: Well, and- one of the one of the key kind of, uh, of themes of that episode was involving other people in lines of play. So, uh, okay. you know, will of the council type cards uh-huh. or cards where you're involving other people, cards where you're, you know, you're rolling dice or flipping coins. Because now you kind of get some sort of a sense of like excitement into the atmosphere, you know?
1: Right, right. Right, yeah. I I mean, when I played Rakdos the Showstopper, there was a lot of excitement as we rolled that (laughs) dice every time to see what creatures lived and what didn't. Um, And sometimes, you know, this kind of falls into the Josh Lee Quiet world where it's like, can you take a card that's not so good and make it something better than it was? Can you build around this strategy that only you thought of? We get these sorts of emails all the time where someone goes, I just found this really cool combo and this thing, I really want to try it out. And my response always is, try it out. And, and see what happens you don't i mean it's i'm so glad and happy they're sharing it with us but the joy really comes from you getting to do it yourself and validating whatever thesis you had in your head about it um and of course if you like arch enemy and playing chase and all those that can be a lot of really fun way to spice up a table even if it is just for one game a night you know there's lots of different things that can happen with those cards another way to have fun is setting goals and personal challenges this very much sort of ties into the trying of new things but Setting goals is one of those things I always advocate for for people in life in general. You know, if you're trying to get somewhere and let's say you wanna work for Google someday or you wanna work for NASA, that's a goal. And when you set a goal, you have your sights on it, you can take actions that move you and propel you towards that goal. If you didn't have that goal, then you wouldn't know, let's say you had a choice between doing two things, well, it's a lot harder to make that choice if you don't know what your ultimate goal is. When you know what that goal is, then you're going to understand, oh, this choice is going to get me closer to it. So I think setting goals for yourself, which is like maybe you want to try and win a game of multiplayer with Mill, which is really hard. I think Craig always sets the goal of win a game with fans, <laughs> I do. Which isn't easy at all. Um, Some people have goals to just literally tell a story with their deck. Some people have goals to play the funniest game that they can or just make a million tokens that do nothing, right? There are some people that just love doing silly, fun things, but they're like, you know what? This is kind of like an achievement in a video game. If I achieve it, then in my head, I can check that little box off. I don't need to necessarily have other people go like, wow, that's so cool. But if you can say that to yourself, then you can be having more fun.
2: I would even say that some of your goals can be social too. You know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make a new friend tonight. Or, you know, this one oh, person wonderful. that I played against last time, you know, I think there, there may have been some salt there. So I'm going to try and improve that relationship tonight. Or, yeah. You know, th- I think there are other goals, too, that, you know, we all go to a very social environment. So there are social goals that can be set as well.
1: I like that a lot. And it could even be like, hey, this person's beat me five times. I'm going to beat them this next time. Yeah, that's right. That's a great goal, too. It challenges you, and, and maybe in the game, it, it creates a different dynamic that you weren't expecting, too. Next time on game nights, I'm coming for you, Josh. Oh, boy. Well, like <laughs> other goals can you win a game with over 500 life? Can you win a game at one life, right? There's all sorts of different things. And, and I'm sure players have come up with these moments while they're in the game going, wow, wouldn't it be so cool if I could put these three cards together and do this? That's a goal.
2: Last one used to be easier with world fire, but
1: well, (laughs) okay. Next up, be the change that you wish to see in the game or your play group. Um, This is a huge one, I think, which is just, if you are looking to have more fun and let's say that something is happening in your play group and you know, you don't want to go and lecture the player about it, or you don't want to have that side conversation. Leading by example is one of the most important ways to move things forward in life because, when like Craig said, when you set an example, when you create a name for yourself, or when you make yourself notorious, right? You're leading by example, and other players look at that. Other players are going to react to it, follow it, or do something. But because you're doing something and leading by example, that's going to create a ripple or a wave of activity. Um, and so, if things aren't going in a way that you find fun or ideal, then like I said earlier, right? You can be a part of enacting that change. So if someone's taking too long with their turn, maybe they do need help with it. Or maybe it's one of those things where it just goes, you know, I'm going to just remove that thing before this turn gets out of control, because I know that that's going to lead to a long turn and no one wants that, whatever it is, right? You can find ways and acting really fun about it. Not necessarily being like you suck for taking so long, but being like, hold up, we all know how this is going to go. Crack a joke, make it light do something and lead by example. Um, there's an example that I like to say. So let's say we made a new friend, Craig, Yep. and this person came in and his name was Billy. And every single time Billy met you, he put out his hand and he shook it and said, nice to see you. Billy's a good guy. Or he high-fived you, right? But he always did this every single day. I like Billy. At first, you might go, oh, that's that's a little much. That's a little strange. Or that's, you know, oh, handshakes. That's cool. That's kind of formal. After about a month or so, you might find yourself handshaking other people when you see them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It might be something that actually becomes a part of the workplace culture. So what Billy did there is he didn't go around saying, hey, everyone, I would like everyone to start handshaking everyone. In fact, that might not even be his goal, but what he did do is just offer his handshake out and just do something that over time, other people found that they were maybe attracted to the behavior, they liked doing it themselves, it brought them some happiness, and by leading by example, Billy completely changed the dynamic of how people greet each other at the office. Now, that's obviously a very non-serious example, but this happens all the time within the game, which is Craig's swinging at me with Infect, Am I going to go out pouting and angry and screaming or am I going to just shake my head and go, ah, Craig, you did it again. Next time I won't fall prey to your tricks. Make sure you guys get rid of him. Right. And, sh- and, and get rid of the cards. Right. Losing like that is much, much better. And it leads by example, because let's say there's a new player that's never lost before. Or when they do lose, they feel that overwhelming sadness and anger. They just saw someone else get removed in a way that they would never want to get removed in. But wow, look at the way they handled it. They made a joke, they laughed about it, they smiled, they knew that it was just a game, and no one's feelings were hurt. People were happy at the end of it, and wow, what a great example to set. And if they found
2: that respectable, they're more likely to replicate that behavior. Exactly. And something that kind of like builds on that is you know, I think everybody kind of wants to do their own thing in magic and kind of wants to have their own fun and not kind of get interfered with, Mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the reasons why, for me, you know, my way of kind of. You know, making the game better is anytime somebody casts like uh, a fact or fiction, I will always give the five. (laughs) or <laughs> you, just give you know the full I just I want to see people oh, throw big man. things that, and it's and it's more from a, a level of like okay let's see what you can do you oh, know kind of thing but it's you know like let's say they play Silvala Stampede you know if they have 30 cards in hand I'll be like hand but if they have like two cards in hand I'll be like yeah let's see what's in your library yeah. let's come at me bro you know
1: that's fun I mean and that's obviously that's how Craig does it right you don't need to be that same way but I think the first time that that happened to me and I got all the cards I was ecstatic <laughs> and I loved everyone I think you else. were the
2: first person I ever did it. To yeah me.
1: and everyone else to the team were like Craig what are you doing ah!
2: actually further on that I think it was because the last game that we had played was that mill game yeah right and and I went to that play night and I gave myself the goal of I'm gonna improve my relationship with Jimmy tonight <laughs>
1: At legit, and and what happened? This is after Craig milled me out mercilessly. Oh, that was multiply. a brutal game. Yeah, it was a brutal game. <laughs> uh, I so angry. I threw my cards down, and I'd never do stuff like that. Um, it didn't set a good example. I'll say that much. Um, but yeah, that's great because even at that moment, everyone else at the table went, "What? What are you doing?" But the moment passed, and I was shamed. People were happy. Right. People were still enjoying the moment. Yeah. Jimmy just got a bunch of cards, but it would no no different if Jimmy put together some sick combo and drew a bunch either. Right. So I could have gotten those cards in a number of different ways. The fact that Craig was a part of it became a story, became something that we talked about, became something that we laughed about and joked about. And that became a fun moment and an element of our play group And that, Hey, anything can happen. And that's exciting. Um, another way to have fun is setting your expectations. This is something that I think is true of everyone just in life. Set your expectations, put up good boundaries when you're going to do something or play a game, go to an event, do anything, watch a movie, because if you're going into each game expecting that this is going to be the greatest ever, you're going to show off, you're going to do exactly what your deck wants to do, you're going to pulverize your opponents, and it doesn't happen, then the inevitable disappointment you have on the other end of it, well, in a lot of ways, you kind of set yourself up for that don't do
2: that. Yeah, I like what you put here how, you know, it's like hyping yourself up for a, for a movie.
1: Ah, uh, a classic you know, mistake.
2: Classic mistake, right? You know, if if somebody goes and they see the movie and they're like, oh man, this new movie, it's gonna blow your mind, man. It's like crazy, crazy. And then you go and see it, you're expecting it to be mind blowing and crazy, crazy. So if it's you know, not as intense as you had imagined after they told you that you're going to come out feeling a little deflated. Mm-hmm. And the same thing can happen as you're saying with, with, uh, going out and playing with different groups and, yeah, yeah. and having certain play nights.
1: And I know that it's like, well, Jimmy's saying it's my fault that they're hyping me up. And I'm saying, no, no, it's both equations, right? The equation has both pieces in there, but you do get to decide if it's one plus one is equal to two, or if it's one plus three, right? Like you're the three, you're the five, or you could be the zero. When people tell me they're hyped about the movie, I go, that's really cool, I'm glad you liked it. I can't wait to see what... I think about it and I do my best to I- extrapolate my own thoughts my own feelings about it outside of what the outside influences are saying because I've set myself up for failure so many times walking into Star Wars The Phantom Menace for instance <laughs> and hoping for a you know a, a something a, ew, geez, even the last Star Wars movie the last the same thing right I was like it's, God, please be good it needs to be good it has to be good and then walking out I felt more deflated than had I just gone in and being like I'm just going to enjoy pew pew space blasters for three hours and Whatever ends up happening, I may have my opinion about it, but I'm not going to get so shook or so angry because I didn't set myself up for that in the first place.
2: That was my first uh, introduction to cosplayers was when the Phantom Menace ah. came out. <laughs> I remember going and there was such a long line and there were like half of the people were dressed up as Jedi's nice. or something like that. I also think this kind of ties in slightly to something my dad used to say to me when like my cousin would annoy me by copying exactly what I was doing. He'd be like, "Take it as a compliment." You know, like oh. a lot of times, you know, when people are, you know, coming after you because you're the threat, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, You know, and I know this is kind of a cheeky way to look at it. Oh, I like
1: that. I like where you're going with it. But
2: consider it like it's a compliment that they're thinking that you are the threat. They think that you have the most going on at the table and as a deck builder as a player, you should take that as a compliment that they are coming after
1: you. And so, we get that email all the time. Yeah. My playgroup keeps targeting me, blah blah blah. What if in that moment you went, "Wow, I'm really wow, that you guys are flattering me. Thank you so much, table, for attacking me." That I mean, jeez. I don't
2: think you should say it outwardly, by the way. <laughs> I like it. I kind of like it because it <laughs> might it might, might make
1: them it move. might make them look and go, "Wait a minute. <laughs> they're this? actually not a threat." the way they're saying it they made a good point there oh
2: you could do it kind of I see what you're saying throw throw it a little bit yeah Yeah, yeah, you can throw it
1: a little bit but I do like that I do like that quite a bit I can't
2: stand I can't handle (laughs) but yeah
1: set your expectations this is it's just so important in life as well as in the game don't set yourself up for failure now I'm not saying don't buy into the hype at all sometimes it can be really exciting to be in that line with all the other cosplayers and the people that are ready to see the Star Wars and sharing your experiences with all of them just know that at the end of the day when you go to engage with that content or the game or whatever it is you are in a lot of ways partially responsible for how excited and disappointed you get at the end of it so just learn to manage that a little better and i think you're going to have a better balanced time over the course of time because not every single game you play sometimes you're not going to draw lands sometimes you're going to play with a play group you've never played with before and it's not going to be what you wanted there's going to be so many different variables just don't let yourself get so one way or another that when it doesn't turn out the way you want you throw a temper okay um Oh, actually, there's another thing that really helped. Uh, you know, like, when I was setting expectations one time, I was with a new player group. Uh, a lot of my friends started playing recently. Thanks, Post Malone. And I was I there. We had five players. And I went, you know what? I'll just sit out and watch because you're all new. And I think this is actually better. And I kind of acted as the moto judge to make sure, like, oh, don't forget, you have an upkeep trigger. Uh, do this. Yeah, don't forget that. That's there. And then they would occasionally look at me and be like, hey, Jimmy, I don't know what to do here. And all the players would look because they didn't know either because they're v- brand new. And so I was able to create a setting where no one was walking away from it going, oh, no, I don't want any help from someone else. I want to do this all myself. Everyone kind of knew what the setting was. Everyone had their expectations that this was gonna be a lower power game, that there was gonna be additional help from the outside. And that ultimately we just wanted to play a fun game. And I tried to contribute to that as much as possible and help set everyone's expectations to go like, hey, you know, just so everyone understands if you need to thread this here's how i see it and here's how you might see it and sort of giving those perspectives helps everyone get their minds in the right place and and sort of helps bridge that gap and i think allowed them to play a lot more fun game in the end okay uh another way to have fun play with new groups watch more content explore the world of magic um sometimes i think it's important to go out especially for people like me and Josh who sit and consume and play and sort of get in this mindset, you know, and I think people have commented on this in the past, which is like, you guys are all about this and you're not about that. It's like, well, you know, because we play with each other and we lead by example for each other, we kind of get into similar mindsets. And that's just a part of being friends with someone and talking about magic. And some of the best times I've had are when I get to go to a magic fest and play with brand new people Not and that. see what they do.
2: There's so much fun seeing so much everybody's creativity out there. unique takes on things. You never see the same stuff in magic fest that you do, right. like in LA magic. LA magic kind of has its own kind of vibe. And that's what I love about going to GP Vegas and stuff like that. There are people from all different parts of the country that just have a different take on things and you just go oh wow that's cool Mm -hmm. i've never seen that interaction before yeah you know because craig
1: is always there taking right now he he goes i can't take a picture of that and that's a way to being like wow it's kind of like getting a compliment because craig is so interested in what i did he wants to take a picture of it maybe he's going to put it into one of his deck mr infect himself
2: guess what i'm putting into my card kingdom cart (laughs)
1: there you go there you go um and you know lgs is even going from one to the next you can have a vastly different experience there too um magic fest hopefully will be returning soon there's a lot of discord groups for spell table that's another great way to just involve yourself with completely new players and this way even all the way from around the world you can be playing with different people that's pretty neat too
2: that was a great way over the pandemic that i was able to kind of uh reconnect with people mm-hmm. and also meet new ple- people you know shout out to uh pope at commander tactics nice. uh was able to kind of uh through jake boss uh meet him through a through a discord server and that's you know cool. since then have become good friends so
1: that's great yeah And I think also like watching more content, you know, obviously there's our podcast, there's game nights, but there's a whole world of other content out there. And when you get to see how other people play the game, you might understand, oh, that's what sparks joy for them or, oh wow, I really liked what happened there. Or I like the politics that happened there. And that might spark joy for you. So you got game nights, obviously, but you also have commander versus series. You got MTG mudsa. There's a bunch of stuff. You have the, I hate your deck series with Joe Johnson. Right. And those are all completely different play styles, completely different styles of commander. Sometimes they're playing with cards that can't be your commander as commander. And so there's lots of different ways to feel inspired, I think, by engaging with more content out there in the world. Absolutely. Uh, and finally, the most important point, I think, when it comes to how to have fun is it's it's okay to lose. It's okay for others to win. And it's okay for you to be good at the game. It's okay for you to be bad at the game. It's okay for others to be good at the game or bad at the game, whatever. It's okay. Because At the end of the day we're playing a game and we're here to have fun and if we tie our fun to things like having a victory in a multiplayer game when for the majority of the time you're not going to be winning those games then you're setting yourself up for failure again right it's okay to lose uh one of my favorite quotes is be humble in victory and gracious in defeat because in commander right i've probably lost 75 percent of my games And that is not a great win percentage, but I don't care. I could have won 10% of my games and I would still have a ton of fun playing the game because I'm not trying to tie my self-happiness to that victory. To that dub,
2: there are so many games that I have played where I have come out thinking, "Man, I had a blast, and I did not win." But <laughs> you know, Jake Boss cast you know uh, Second Son, whatever, and, second know, sun. approach of the Second Son, approach of the Second Son a bunch of times to be able to win, or somebody you know configured the hedron to be right. able to win, or you know, just interesting ways where you're like, "Man, that was cool." You know what? I had a blast, or we just had so much fun talking tonight. You know that like it was just kind of a battle cruiser thing, and you know, but it was just fun to get out with my friends yeah. and, you know, just chill after the pandemic, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's great. It, it's so important, right? Like, you're not going to be... It's the same thing with failures, right? If you fail once and go, I never want to fail again... Well, I don't think you're gonna get very far in life with that mentality or it's not gonna be very fruitful for you because life is filled with failures. Life is filled with mistakes. Life is filled with moments where you're not succeeding because those help grow you and build you stronger in a lot of ways than just winning all the time. I think we see this a lot of times as a celebrity culture. Someone that was like a child star gets raised with just people around them that are always saying yes to them, agreeing with them, laughing at all their jokes. And that doesn't actually grow them into a deeper and bigger human being over the long run because you're never being challenged. The adversity that we face in life is a huge part in shaping who we become later on. And so being okay with losing, being okay with making mistakes and owning them, right? When I tapped on my mana for that price of glory and I destroyed all my lands, I could have been really salty. I could have been demanding that we went back in time. I didn't know that was gonna happen, but I played the card, I made the mistake and I learned from that mistake and I will always remember it as a really funny moment, right? I don't look at it with ire or anger. And in that, I'm able to shape my perception around it. I'm able to shape that experience into one that brings me joy in the long run, not one that I look at with shame or anger or guilt or upsetness.
2: But something that you can grow from, you know, something that kind of uh, surprised me a few years ago, we were in a situation where we were looking for capital investment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the investors who were at the end were asking, you know, what failures have you had, you know, and they wanted us to share our failures with them because, they saw failure as a more of a, of a growth opportunity yeah. than success. Totally, totally. And because you learn so much more from failure than you do from success, you, you know, that if you do something, you know, that makes a bunch of people mad, like, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so failure can lead to some of the most growth, uh, as a player, as a human, you know, uh, in a lot of people's lives
1: yeah i really like that um i also saw an interesting thread on twitter uh talking about the language that you use when you're playing um especially when it comes to having others be good bad or whatever at the game um and i think the language that we use too both for ourselves and for others is really important so it's in the same vein right calling someone like awful or bad or Mm. evil for the choices that they make even if you're kidding that really does have an effect on how other players might perceive them. It absolutely does. How you might perceive them in the long run. Yep. And if someone's just walking by and hearing that, they may perceive them differently as well, even if you're really good friends with them and you're doing so in a joking way. There are certain situations where I think it's totally okay to rib on your friends. That's a part of friendship is teasing and poking and prodding. But there's also a point where lines shouldn't be crossed necessarily. And I think the language that we use is one of those really interesting spots where it does take a little bit more thought and consideration because... You're responsible for how others are perceived as much as you are perceived yourself. That's if cute. you're the one that goes out and calls everyone, oh, you suck, you're you're freaking awful at this game, you're so dumb, how does that make you look? How does that make the other person feel? How does that make other people feel about that person or you? You know, I would hate to be someone that goes out there and plays with someone and says, dude, this player is awful. And then their play group that's sitting with them forevermore will go, oh man, maybe they are worse than we thought. You know, maybe, maybe they are bad at the game. And you're just all of a sudden adding in this pollution to the mindset and to the happiness of the format and why we play this game. And so the language that we use is really important. When you lose, you don't go, screw this, I hate this game. You all suck, right? That's gonna create an awful environment. If you're losing and you use words that are a bit more... Well, nice in nature. I think you're going to see a different effect overall, right? You're controlling a lot of the frequency and the vibe that happens around you when you lose, when you win. So again, be humble in victory and gracious in defeat. If someone is new or inexperienced and you blow them out of the water, don't mock them. Don't go in their face and be like, ha ha, I beat you, right? You, you can call someone oh you know what you're new to the game you don't have as much experience and you know there are a couple of moments maybe i can help you with them but yeah. if you call them a total noob or they're bad at the game they may never play commander again right and that's not fun for anyone honestly so if someone that plays value combos they love value they love generating cool combos they, they're a johnny they're not a degenerate piece of scum you know they're not gross they're not vile they're not all these other things and, and i know that these are all words that appear on magic cards themselves but i say just be careful When you're using these words in reference to other people and players, um, because we ultimately create the play groups around us.
2: Yeah, I liked how you said referring to somebody as someone who really enjoys value. You know, you could use that in a, you know, if you're talking to somebody, hey, You know you just enjoy value so much that sometimes you overvalue (laughs) and that can you know make me feel this way (laughs) yeah yeah
1: right there's again the words you use shape the color of the conversation that you have the way that it feels for everyone and more importantly the way that it feels when they walk away because you take conversations with you like it or not and sometimes you'll hear words echoing in your head and if you're surrounded by people then all they're doing is calling you a noob all the time well you're going to start feeling that you're a noob too even if you aren't so just be careful of that um and now look we hear the commands and we're not trying to police how you talk how you speak but we just urge you to understand that words can be very powerful but it is still okay to call craig an absolute monster for playing infect just so you don't know It's true. Seriously, he's a monster. (laughs) A monster at being a really nice guy. He's one of those friendly monsters. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, so be gracious and kind to each other. Friendly ribbing is always fine as long as everyone's on the same page, right? And there have been times in old friend groups in high school and stuff where we rib on someone so much and we think they're okay with it, but they're actually not. So just make sure you're not crossing that line either. Um, I guess we can talk about Infect for a hot second, because I feel like some people might be like, well, that still flies in the face of everything we talked about. It doesn't keep games fun for other people if they get knocked out quickly, right? That's fair. I
2: mean, there are (laughs) more fun ways to play Infect than others. You know, uh, I learned kind of early on uh, that, you know, Infect is very good at getting one player out and Mm -hmm. then leaving three people up. and but also very bad at getting everybody out. So what typically happens then is you get one person out, then you're next to go because people are like, kill him. Yeah, he's scary. And so then two people end up just kind of sitting around doing nothing while two other people could end up spending another hour finishing up their game, which right. has happened several times to me.
1: Yeah. And
2: you're just sit looking at, you know, doing card binders and, you know, trade binders and stuff like that. But sometimes you're just sitting there looking at your phone and that can kind of stink. So I've leaned more into like Triumph of the Hordes, trying to do it as like a mask Kill everybody. Get rid of
1: everyone in one. Like just use
2: thing. it as a value engine kind of sure. thing. Share.
1: And again, if you play Infect and you're just trying to knock people out one at a time, that's totally fine. Just know that you're playing at a group, a table, right? Everyone can work together if you see some stuff like this happening. You can make sure that the fun experience is still there by going, hold up, hold up. he's trying to make a situation that no one's going to enjoy. Let's work against this. Well, and,
2: and also, one more thing about this, you know, how I like to play the heal. A lot of times when we play, you know, people will be like, oh, Mr. Infect, you're going to infect the table out. So I will play up in Infect kill in a way that kind of engages the whole table. I see. Which can make it more fun, even if it is, you know, one person's getting out because I'm infecting them to death. I'm like, oh, I'm in you know, I'm right. welcoming you to phyrexia and the whole
0: table
1: <laughs> kind of like erupts or whatever. That's so great.
2: you can make it a little bit more fun. In I knowledge.
1: will say if you like attach a grafted exoskeleton to someone and someone's sitting at like seven or eight, in fact, there is a heightened tension to the game that is really right, fun. Right. And in those moments, it's like, can we stop Craig? Can I keep doing my thing? <laughs> what do we have to do? Oh, maybe they're gonna make a sweet deal so I can save their life and that's gonna pay off in the long run. So there are moments I think if you play it right and you phrase it right instead of just like hey jimmy i don't like you swing that's right a little different than like uh-oh craig's being the arch nemesis again can we get around it this time
2: but all Same. that is circling back to what you were saying earlier read the table you know look at the table and evaluate you know, and your play group yeah. and your play group and evaluate what type of game is this how is everybody reacting to what i'm doing
1: totally Okay, finally, I want to quote Video Game High School, one of my favorite shows of all nice. time. Uh, at one point, the character asks, uh, the, sorry, the, the Dean, Ernie Calhoun, asks Brian D, Brian D, what, what is gaming all about? And he moment. just points at the plaque and goes, it's all about the game. Uh, and I think it's the same here when it comes to Commander. Rem- you know, don't forget that when you sit down with everyone, right? Enjoy the fact that you're all there to play a game together. Try not to take it too seriously. Try not to judge someone else who might be more serious either, right? It's totally within their right to do so. Just try and be respectful of each other, uh, of yourself. Everyone is there to try to enjoy themselves as best they can and getting on the same page as everyone, like Craig said. It's a really great first step, that rule zero talk, that beforehand. What are we going to do? What's totally off limits? Those sorts of things can really help make sure that you create a really fun and positive play experiment in a fun environment where everyone can go home with a smile on their face.
2: Yeah. Will they let you play cheaty face or not?
1: Oh, if you play (laughs) cheaty face against me and you are able to cheat out on the battlefield, I'm okay with it.
2: Heard it here first. You heard all it right. here first. It GPs. is I cannot all. wait to see the next GP with Jimmy Wong. Oh boy. All
1: right, to the <laughs> listeners, what are things that you do to create the most fun when it comes to playing Commander with your friends? Or what are some things that may have changed or tried recently or done new to add a new dimension of fun to your game nights? So you can comment here, tweet at us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, of course, YouTube. It's all there. If now.
2: you have any cool infect tech, please tweet at me at Craig Blanchat.
1: <sighs> I suppose in the spirit of fun, you're <laughs> totally allowed to do I'll that. I'll try
2: and bring it to the next uh game nights oh, or uh, extra turns we okay. well i'll
1: be prepared and that way i will make sure i have fun by putting out early blocks or next
2: G- gp with uh, jimmy wong where i'm going to be throwing out cheaty face yeah if you
1: cheaty place. face kill me with infect i <laughs> that might enter friendship okay all right, <laughs> Just all, right. all right make sure you guys check out cardkingdom.com slash command zone it's the place to go if you want to buy any magic singles sealed product or more of course tons of new sets coming out in estrade looks really exciting already i know we're getting set deluge but look the cards are all there Card Game is a place to go if you've missed a set, you wanna get something coming up from the new set, or you just wanna buy some sealed product to crack some packs with your friends, uh, either way you're supporting the show when you do and of and course they
2: ship stuff so fast they do. I ordered great. from them a couple weeks ago and it was there like two days later
1: nice of yeah. course depends on where you are in the world there's a lot of crazy yes. shipping happening overseas that's a little different but yeah card Kingdom is known for their great customer service and fast shipping and of course support some ultra Pro stuff while you're there as well get your play map maybe you want some uh, sweet satin tower deck box or you want to just get some sleeves with your favorite art behind them or some dice Ultra Pro product is available everywhere especially if you want to support your local game store. that's one the Greatest ways to do it. You know, I always find that I need a new deck box or something to hold cards or new sleeves because the, you know, whatever it is, I'm making a deck. Support Ultra Pro, support your Gold Game Store, support us at cardgame.com/slash command zone. Okay, moving on to the end step, something we haven't done in a very long time. Craig, you brought something to the table
2: today. I did. We have an end step today. So, uh, over the pandemic, I got, I used to watch Formula One back in the day. And over the pandemic, we found this uh, series that's on Netflix called Formula One Drive to survive, mm. so this show kind of follows the uh, the behind the scenes of Formula One and all the drama that happens. Formula One, if you don't know, it's like the number one racing in the world, and it's the fastest street cars in the world that go left and right. Indy cars are a little bit different, whatever, and up into, and down. Yeah, we'll no, go and get and into right nuances right. there, but the you know Formula One is basically it's always been very political, and there's always been a lot of drama in it. And right. so Netflix kind of found a way to make this uh, these one hour episodes and there's three seasons out now that kind of give you the back story of every season. Oh, and cool. so me and my I started putting it on in the background while I was kind of like sorting through magic cards. And one night I noticed that my wife was sitting eating popcorn, just watching it. And she was like, <laughs> Oh my God, Vettel. He's like, he almost, you know, crashed into that guy. And I'm like, I've never heard Laura talk like this. This is kind of awesome. So I put down my magic cards. And I was like, yeah, you know, he's, you know, and they're going to adjust their tire pressure for this. And, you know, so we start kind of getting back into it. And cool. she found the, uh, you know, the drama aspect of it very in, in, yeah, entertaining. And for me, it was kind of like getting back into the technical aspect of mm-hmm. racing. And so since then, we've been watching a lot of F1 over the... Oh, actual over races now. Actual yeah, races yeah, yeah. now. So then this year in 2021, we've watched every race so far. And it's fun because like, you know, on Friday night, we'll watch the, the practice. Mm-hmm. Then on Saturday, we'll watch the qualifying. And Sunday, we'll watch the races. And... You know, it's very, very fun to follow because if you do watch the show and then you also watch F1, you'll see on Twitter that people will be like, oh, there's drama happening. This is, you know, Netflix right now. And it's a picture of people being like, You know, because there's a lot of drama. But this past season, it's been like Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton that have been back and forth. And there's been some great races. Um, But there's been a lot of, you know, like what we were just talking about, uh, a lot of upsets this year. Where there have been three races, uh, Azerbaijan, Monaco, and in this last one, Hungary, was incredible. Where basically the top two people got taken out. And Whoa. so it's these other people, these people who are usually in the back of the pack that are ended up winning. And this one, this uh, this one in Hungary was awesome because uh, Alexander Ocon was the one who won, and he's just this young guy. He's never won before, and the team that he was racing for, they I don't believe have ever won before. So the after race celebration was just filled with so much energy you know because these people they just they never expected it and Mm -hmm. so it's just been a lot of fun to kind of like watch this season so they're in a little bit of a hiatus right now but if you're looking to get into f1 start with the netflix show drive to survive and uh, root for my guy, uh, Pierre Gasly. So, nice.
1: Yeah. And if you're looking to not get into F1 and watch a really cute movie about the pink dragon, check out Wish Dragon. It's a movie I'm in. Oh, yeah. I we've talked about it yet, but that's, that's awesome. F1, by the way, the technical precision that they need to, right, like one move, that thing is off the track and that racer is probably dead. So yep. it's super intense the mental fortitude to do F1 is something i've always admired.
2: Wish Dragon is a blast too. My Thanks. god, it's I not as
1: it. much of a literal adrenaline rush as F1 is though. So, you know two different camps it's a
2: fun take on aladdin which is aladdin's one of my favorite movies of all time nice. and wish dragon was a nice kind of other way to kind of view that and i really enjoyed the way that they did that
1: we'll talk more about that on another end stage. Yeah, all yeah. right cleanup time big thanks to our amazing team here at the command zone josh lee quiet is not here today but we got lady danger manson lung craig blanchett ashlyn rose out for the soccer josh murphy jake boss patrick nan jordan pridgen arthur meadowcroft sam waldo and gaurav galati Thanks so much as well. Always to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the Living Card Animations that start our show here on YouTube.com slash The Command Zone Podcast. You can find them on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. All right, Craig, I'm off to go have some fun. It's the weekend. How about you?
2: I'm going to do the same. All time right. to play some magic.
1: All right. See you next time, everybody. Peace. Peace.